anytime I get bummed out about the trek, I always just remember like, what else would you be doing? Yeah. You know, like, what are you going to, are you going to go fucking to night school to become an accountant? No. You know, this is what you do. Like, you've known your whole life, you wanted to fucking do it. And I've just adopted the mantra of the pain is the best part. The pain is the fuel. The pain is everything. Comedy's the best when it sucks. That's like, you know, and then when it's great, it's just fucking like, oh, I feel like the puzzle master. And when it's shitty, it's like, ah, the way. How was your style in the beginning? Were you as like kind of like off the wall? Because I got of all the comics in Denver, you have the most kind of like I don't know cerebral like kind of like bouncy funhouse mirror style that I don't even know how to describe to people. What um, helped me starting out is that I was in like a pretty small scene of just like my. Like, once I developed friendships in it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just entertaining my buddies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like in the open and, mic scene? Yeah. Wow. In, Ch- in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, so I would start doing, like, just one-off shit, you know? Like, go up that night and do this elaborate thing that I had, you know, written that afternoon, right? And having no stakes to it, because I was just trying to make my friends laugh, you know? But then that cemented, like, a bit of just, like, a complete throw-it-at-the-wall kind of mentality toward it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because, whatever, I'll go up next week, you know what I mean? Right. And there were, there were only three mics in that whole city. So, you know, <laughs> what what's it matter? And plus, it was the same uh, audience every week. Yes. You know? Yeah. So I didn't want to bore them by doing the same old jokes that I've been doing. No, you know, so I at least true. wanted to have like at least wanted to have like two new minutes, you know? Yeah. Every week. And plus I had five days between the run of three mics before like to prepare. You know what I mean? Right. That is like, probably more special. It's like literally it's like I can't wait until Thursday gets here, opposed to like exactly. I have to go out to like you know you're a you're a what six seven night a week guy, six nights a week when I'm hustling and probably I don't know ten to ten to twelve sets a week, you know. That's uh, I I measure myself against dudes like you, Jeff Stonic, obviously Crawford, you know like the legend mm-hmm. of Crawford. Like, I mean like seeing like people like after they do 15 minutes at a showcase, you know, and then them do two and like, yep, yeah, I'm hitting the next mic, you know, and yeah. you're just like, no, you did it tonight. You killed. Are you going to go there and bomb? All right. You know? Yeah. But that's, that's what you do. You know, honestly, even after a good set, you need a fucking kick in the ass, you know, of, of struggling back at Lion's Lair or something, you know, the pain, it's the fuel. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, uh, based off of that are you do you feel like you're doing a character on stage no in fact I feel like I'm being I'm being super super real but I'm also but I'm being I'm being myself like a lot but then it's like it's the bad me it's like the the low energy not excited like rote and then you'll have those moments where something clicks and you're just in flow state and it's like oh mm-hmm. there it is taking those 
habits or idiosyncrasies and just dialing them up just like three degrees you know what i mean right and uh yeah like i don't feel like i do a character on stage but i'm definitely like harnessing a energy you know what i mean yeah um but i would say I, it's like it's, it right. it's you but like that's what i said it's like it's the it's the wrong me it's like i'm right. being authentic but like it's the wrong gear so if you sure. can find that like you really are that guy when you're in the right mm-hmm. moment and you're making your friends laugh and being goofy and that really is you so it's not a character but it is a persona i guess Right, or you're just shutting down the part of you that has the social mores of doing things a particular way. Yes, know? yes. And you get, and but that's the great part about being on stage is you get that path. You know, you don't have a complete hall pass to do whatever you want, but if you start doing it, then people will give you that path. You know, because you can almost cast it off as a character you're trying to serve the room at that time you know what i mean right that um, one of the the biggest lesson i ever got in in that kind of concept is when i was hosting the mic with luis martinez over oh there, yeah at, at over, 50 over 5280 bar yes. Yeah. yes there's like a gear that you can be in where you can, you can say anything you literally can say anything and i remember the day specifically i'm sitting outside smoking pot lewis rolls up and he's like showing me his fist he's like dude i'm bleeding he's like i punched this girl and I'm like, what? You punch? He's like, yeah, it was this lesbian chick, and she started punching me. I thought she was a dude, and I started punching, you know. And I was like, this yeah. is the craziest story ever. And he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm gonna tell it on stage tonight. I mean, his hand is bleeding, you know. He's like, I just came from there. It's like, once you get to know Lewis, you realize, like, oh no, he's not lying. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> so he goes up on stage, and there's like the random, you know, bar hags that are all around the fucking the the 5280 tavern and so he goes up and he, he tells the story and and it's getting huge laughs these women are all laughing and fucking like i'm a girl i'm a girl and you know and he's punching this woman and he's beating her up and they're laughing and having a gale time and there's like oh man lewis what a crazy guy and they don't know him they're just like oh man this guy's nuts so I go up and we're co-hosting and I'm just like, man, can you believe that shit? Can you believe Lewis punched a broad? And these three women in, like, in the front, they go, broad. <laughs> You're like, I didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> reporting. <laughs> so Lewis could physically assault a woman and they're, they're okay with it. I can't call her a broad. <laughs> so, and that was very insightful. I was like, okay, like it's because of his just authenticity. Without fail, if I go up there 60%, I'm not gonna have a good time. And they're not gonna have a good time. But if you amp that up, then, you know, being, being fine with silence is like, it's like key, you know? Like, if they don't laugh at a particular thing, don't let that visually, like, be registered in your face. And that's the risk you run into if you, I feel like I do this sometimes, where it's really leaning into something, you know, which can be a very effective tool when it goes right, you know? Yeah. But if you really lean into something and it doesn't go right, then you end up looking like, you know, you know, 
tilting the top hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like right. it, 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 it feels very desperate or whatever. So it's like it's like finding the line between uh, desperation and uh, confidence. But at the same time, I guess I guess what I see a lot of like new open micers trying to do is they're trying to look really cool on stage because that's a natural thing to do if you are public speaking, right? Yes. Is you want to look cool and in control. But all of the comedy comes from a place of uh, vulnerability and overcorrection. So, like, all the weird, like, anxious vibes of of an audience watching a person failing that's where all the comedy comes from at least in in what i try to do that's where i try to pull that's the energy i try to pull from that like little um the separation between them being like is he aware what he's doing oh he is aware what he's doing you know what i mean yeah and then just like pushing and pulling between that right yeah where it's like almost like should i feel bad for him oh it's been there the whole time does that make sense no, no, of course. Know. Yeah, that's and then so that's like, part of the surprise. Right, yeah. And then but the problem with that actually particular style, right, is once you have fooled people five times, they're not gonna be fooled a sixth. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And how do you deal with that? Um, I'm getting better at it just in terms of like joke placement and pacing. Like say I'm doing like a thirty minute set or something, you know? is like I've just had to like rearrange stuff and like what hits hard early what savers do I have and stuff like that um but that is a problem I hit around the 20 minute mark you know it's like you've tricked us this many times we're not going to allow you to trick us again you know so right now my solution is just after that 20 minute mark just do you know, confident material. And I have like a closer that's a favored generally, you know, 90% of the time. But that is the problem I have as I'm extending into longer sets. You know, when I, when I started, a lot of what I was pulling from was bad open mic comedy. You know what I mean? Yes. So like if I can synthesize that strange feeling that you get in an open mic where people are half listening and almost like kicking the door gorilla style, you know, uh, in that context, right? Mm-hmm. But then if you start doing like longer sets and stuff, or say you're like featuring for someone that's actually like really good, and that's the comedy you start seeing in like these like good situations of comedy when when comedy is going right instead of just being forced on people in a bar. <laughs> right. You know, uh, the problem is where do you pull if if my initial um, if the initial tropes I was pulling from is comedy in a bad circumstance and trying to subvert that, how do you do that when what I'm consuming more now is actually people who are competent at their job? You know what I mean? So I'm trying to like bridge that gap of, um, number one, not setting up the next person for failure. You know what I mean? Yes. yes. Because I want to have a like an attitude of 
you should be confident that you made a good decision to come out to this thing that you may have paid for tonight, you know? That's the advantage of scene comedy, right? Is that you always have to be on your toes of like what is getting played out, what is getting, um, you know, like in what ways are you coasting uh, just based off your reputation or your or the fact that people have a context to you and why you think that's funny you know so like that's the trap you fall in with open mics and uh playing to the same crowds all the time but that also encourages you to keep bringing new stuff because you know a lot of people say um you shouldn't play to the like back of the room because you need to be catering to the audience in front of you. However, at this stage in, you know, like our, you know, careers or whatever, uh, 100% of the bookings come from playing to the back of the room. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like, I don't know if it develops the best habits and, and breeds the most, like, um, like recipe for success or whatever but um there is something to you know like the people that are watching you night after night know when you're phoning it in you know what i mean uh-huh. and trying to keep on your toes in that way if you get laughs on the general whole thing you can always cater that to you can always simplify it it's hard. It's easier to simplify than to make it more complex. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. No. The reason that it's the uh, Larry the Cable guy was playing arenas, you know, it's like he has rapid fire, very simple jokes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't care who you are, that's funny. So if it bombs, he has mm-hmm. a catch, catchphrase to keep him going. You know, this is kind of a, a, a tangent, but I've never told anyone else this, so it's just in my brain. Is I watched, uh, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa, where Slipknot's from. Mm-hmm. So I always, uh, I, I grew up like wanting to be a thrash metal musician, just kind of coincidentally. And then these guys who were like a local band end up becoming the biggest metal band on earth. I kind of was like, okay, well, why did, why did that happen? I'm always just fascinated. And YouTube, once again, offers you just, random documentaries and shit and i watched some slipknot thing and the the main guy uh fucking sean cran fucking is like the architect behind the thing and he said something that made it all click as far as all like the big acts go and he he said what what i pounded into the, the other guy's heads from day one is that we're a lifestyle band so it's okay. like, it's like, you know, it's like you're a, the family. It's like ICP, you know, they like, they have names for their fans or the maggots, sure. you know, yeah. the juggalos, like everywhere you got to be in, in the click. And, and so from day one, they were selling the, you know, all the merch at rock bottom prices, get them in the shit, get them doing this, have the fucking thing. And it made me realize like, oh, that's what all the other things are. That's what J- Jeff Foxworthy lifestyle comic. Right. You know, yeah. all like any big thing, Sebastian lifestyle comic. It's like right. Italian yeah, family guy. Up for sure. Yes, exactly. It's like I mean, of course, he's not peddling merch relentlessly, but still, like those people connect because they're like, I'm a scumbag. He's a scumbag too. You know, 
Right. Because there's even a part of me that who like thinks Stan Hope's a god, but at the same time, as like a man, it's like, take it easy. You know, like, yeah. you don't really have to be this dude, man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, it'll yeah, same for thing sure, with, but that's like a that's a more mature Stan Hope fan perspective. You know, yeah. uh, for the general consuming audience, for him, they're going to him to have their um, you know, opinions ex- expressed like eloquently. You know, they're they're like drunk opinions. I know. I, but, I I thought about this the other day. How like you remember the Man Show when Adam and Jimmy left, Joe Rogan and Dan Doug Stanhope replaced them. Yeah. And so now here we are, like the two douchebags from the that replaced the Man Show, who I remember despising, end up being like. The, the positive and the negative poles on like the comedy battery, you know. Yeah. Stanhope is such a negative force. Oh, that... uh, Stanhope has completely embraced entropy. Yes. And and Joe Rogan is is trying with all his might to reverse it. So oh, it's yeah. very interesting. It's very interesting that you you bring that up because you know you have to have some sort of uh, underlying connector that makes people not only enjoy what you do but want to live what you do you know what i mean um and yeah that's a that's a a hard leap to make you know like once you understand like how jokes work and how to tell a joke you know that's only the first part to actually making yourself a um like cultural like make yourself culturally relevant you know what i mean yes it's like because essentially what people are wanting to do uh is to abide by your philosophy you know what i mean you know what i find fascinating is how many of people's favorite stand-ups like who's your favorite stand-up they'll name you a bunch of people it's like you ever seen their stand-up and they're like i don't think so yeah, <laughs> like a, a big one is always uh, Duncan Trussell. People are like I fuck that. That's my guy. It's like, oh, you ever heard? Because I, unless you've seen him live, he's not on the internet. You can't find his stand up anywhere. So people like so many people love Duncan. It's like, yeah, it's my favorite stand up. It's like that's your yeah. favorite podcaster, bro. Yeah, like, I, I don't even because I I was one of those guys. I fucking yeah, love Duncan like Trussell. Extended, it's extended beyond their stage persona. It's like, yeah, that's their that's their podcaster personality. I mean, honestly, watching stand up is like you have to have an attention span. You know, like as much as I love jokes, I find myself wafting in and out of attention to stand up. You know, of course. Like, it's 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 really crazy that that many people go to support that much of a long-term reward uh, art form um, because you're just listening to a person talk. You know, you got to make that as interesting as possible. But like honestly, like I'd be at mutiny, mutiny's open mic, and you know the thing about mutiny is like. Initially, actually, that was that was one of the mics that made me feel like I made the most progress was Mutiny and Lion's Lair for two separate reasons. Okay. Mutiny is because there is virtually no one there, you know? Yes. 
And so you got to do your jokes regardless, right? You got to fill that time regardless of who is in the room and whether they are paying attention or not, you know? And with Lion's Lair, it's like people are actively trying to not listen to you on stage, you know? <laughs> so trying to command the room in that way. And, and, and a few instances of turning both of those audiences, you know, yeah. were very beneficial um, moments on learning how to like manage a room, you know? Like earlier, you were talking about um, uh, Larry the Cable Guy, right? Mm -hmm. Where he has, like, I don't care who you are, that's funny right there, you know? Yes. And, like, that's just a very, like, on-the-nose example of having, like, tool-belt crowd-working, crowd-management techniques, you know? When it also can't be understated the uh it's not the it's not like the you know i don't care who you are that that's funny it's i don't care who you are that's funny it's like he's like once again he's fully committing he's he's like oblivious it's almost like the funniness is how oblivious he is right even the fact that it's bad yeah exactly and uh just like i don't know just pushing the train full bore ahead you know my so like what I've what I've noticed on like a lot of my favorite comics watching them in a live context is like that they have a complete tool belt of resetters, you know. Mm. So like stuff that you're saying that is not necessarily the <laughs> so like when you go into a joke joke there's an agreement between you and the audience that what I'm putting you through is going to be rewarded at, by the end of what I'm telling you, you know? Yes. And then you have like these like non-jokes that you put in between that could be passable as just nothing. You know what I mean? It could be passable as just like you're just talking and you're not necessarily goading laughter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those are like crowd management techniques where it feels a little bit more of a genuine connection between you, you know? Yes. And then you go into your jokes. Once you have reset the confidence of the audience, you go into the pre-written joke, you know? And hopefully you can disguise that and make it look like you're just talking Hi guys, it's Josh Grambo. Holy shit, Michael Isaacs. Michael Isaacs is a beast. He was so gracious with his time. I was pretty high during this conversation. He was nice enough to chat with me for damn near two hours. We chatted about Corona and nonsense. Bunch of stuff not comedy related, so obviously I had to cut this episode down to two episodes extremely condensed episodes this episode was amazing fucking talking about comedy like music only Michael Isaacs would talk about some shit like that if you're out of Denver and you don't know who he is check him out on YouTube he's always placing high in our yearly new faces contest with Denver Comedy Works so you can definitely find his sets on there fuck yeah 
So if you're hearing my voice right now, thanks for listening, and make sure to check out part two, which is coming up right now. So go check out Michael Isaacs, talk about what he loves and hates about comedy and why he's so appreciative of it now that we've had it taken away. That's it. The show's called Comics with Rambo, and I'm out. Thank you.